Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am very excited to have today's guest with me. Uh, Ellen Feldman is a spiritual guide that has been on a journey through medicine, law, and psychotherapy on her way to soul-led living. Her spiritual path has been as winding as her professional journey. Her relationship with God truly began when her mother was dying of cancer when Ellen was in her early 20s. For many years, she was a victim until spiritual counseling opened her eyes to a new way forward. She began to see her life and all that was in it as a gift from God. Her life transformed as her self-narrative changed. Her intuition grew and over time, her spiritual gifts began to come online. She began hearing, knowing and seeing God and God's messages. Her work as a therapist, which had always been informed by spirituality, now became an entirely spiritual practice. Over time, her knowledge of her oneness with all that is has informed her entire experience of life, and it now defines how she works with energy, communicates with spirit, and helps others to actualize. Welcome, Ellen. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. I'm so happy to be here with you, Sophia, and all of your beautiful listeners. And I love reading these bios and the introductions because everyone has a little bit different path coming forward. Um, But the net effect of these tends to be, oh, wow, she's so far ahead of me. I could never be that. (laughs) She was born that way. And I know for a fact you were not born with this sense of oneness and maintain it all the way through your life. So tell me a little bit about your earlier days in your journey before you'd really tapped into this spirit-led, soul-led way of living. Yeah, to say that I wasn't born this way, hearing God speak to me and seeing signs of God everywhere is an understatement. I was born into a religion. I was born Jewish, and I I grew up with a Jewish identity. But I was, I'm not sure when I, I... concretize my understanding that I was atheistic. Um, But at at some point, it was clear to me that God wasn't a thing in my life. I'm not sure what prompted me to even think about it. Um, The first time I really thought about it was when my mother was dying of brain cancer, and she started talking about God. And it literally knocked my socks off. I, I, I looked at her perplexed. What do you mean, God? You believe in God? And she said, yeah, of course I believe in God. (laughs) And she probably said, I raised you to believe in God. Why don't you, right? Well, we never (laughs) talked about God. We talked about Judaism. We talked about Jewish holidays. I went to a private Jewish school. I was educated in in the Torah, what what you might call the the Old Testament. Um, But but God, albeit in the stories and the blessings, just wasn't a part of my ethos of growing up. There was no conception of there being a bigger plan, of Mm -hmm. being interconnected to anything. There was a conception of treat people well, but but not because of God. God was absent from the narrative throughout my life. And as as she was dying it and talking about God and and just very grounded and unapologetic and yep, I believe in God and I just do. Mm -hmm. 
it, it began, it opened up a very awkward dialogue between me and God. I remember laying awake nights when she was really in the thick of, of being sick with cancer and saying, I don't really believe in you, but I'm going to talk to you anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry that I don't believe, but I, I have to have these conversations anyway. So it was a, isn't it was a very, that, isn't that interesting? And how did, how did I love the tension that that happens between the desire to believe and the lack of belief? So how how did you how did that work for you? How were you able to allow both of those things to exist? You know, I would call it the puberty of my spiritual development, like early puberty, like awkward. What is this? How do I navigate this kind of awkward spiritual pubescence? Um, How did I navigate it? I think lack of options. I was, you know, a 19, 20-year-old without a father whose mother was dying. I hadn't really come to a place of acceptance that her terminal brain cancer was terminal. I didn't know where my life was going to go from there. And just sheer and utter fear and survival instinct really left me, at least the way I saw it at the time, was without option but to find a way to navigate it. And, you know, shortly before she died, she told me, one of my greatest regrets is that I'll never go back to Israel. I went once and I found a part of myself I didn't know existed. And three weeks before she died, I found out that I had won a spot for a free trip to Israel. Well, look at that. A couple of months later in, in quite an intense lottery for those spots. And so two months after she died, when I, was, when I was still in denial, still really in the early stages of grieving, I found myself in Israel. And, you know, regardless of, of what, you know, one associates religiously with Israel, it's a, it's a very intense energetic place. The old city of Jerusalem, you know, vibrates with an intensity of nowhere else on the yeah. planet that I've ever well, been. It's a hugely sacred place. And you know that it's a hugely sacred place because there are three, at least three major religions who are all vying <laughs> for that particular piece of ground. It's like, no, we own it. It's like, no, come on now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it was on that sacred land that that I really can say I felt God for the first time. I felt my mother. It was my first experience of really feeling a deceased loved one um, in a a different way, really feeling God. And and, uh, I I traveled for for many months after that trip um, across Israel and across Europe and and a relationship formed. It It was a nascent relationship. And it was in early days, life took me in a number of directions after that. But but this wasn't something that was given to me. For anybody who wants to be on a spiritual path, they don't know where to begin. Usually life opens a window, a door, and, mm-hmm. and stretches out its hand and says, come this way. And it didn't look like magnificent epiphanies. And it didn't look like the voice of God coming through me. It looked like a really scared 20-year-old trying to navigate her way through life and trying to find meaning through what felt like a really dark, lonely time. So it was, it was really a product of me just doing my best through life. And I think a lot of people's spiritual journey begins in those in those very humble beginnings. Yeah, so, in those very dark moments. And in, in very dark moments. And, and, and life, had, 
life had dark moments. Yeah. And I, I, I talk to a lot of people who are on their journey, on their path, both in the show and clients and this sort of thing. And the thing that I will mention, and it was reinforced to me this morning, <laughs> um, the dark allows you to see things you can't otherwise see. And it was reinforced this morning. I got up at four in the morning and when I get up at 4 a.m., I don't turn on any kind of lights to do what I'm doing because I, I try to kind of maintain that half asleep state because it leaves me in a connective place. I wanted to do some writing. And I wandered into the bathroom and I wanted to put a Band-Aid on my arm because I pick. And so if I put the Band-Aid over it, it reminds me not to pick. And I went in there and in the dark, I pulled the band-aids out of the cupboard. I opened up the box. I pulled one out and I peeled the paper apart. And I'm looking at what I'm doing, even though it's, it's complete pitch dark, because that's what you do, <laughs> whether you're seeing anything or not. And when I pulled the, the sides of the paper on the outside of the band-aid apart, you can see the static electricity that's generated as you pull the pieces of paper apart. So you see these two little lines that go down and then it becomes one big line and then it's open. And I had never seen that before until this morning in the dark, putting on my Band-Aid at 4 a.m. And I think that's a perfect analogy for why it is we need these dark points in our life to really be able to see the things we haven't been able to see before. Wow. Yeah, the, the contrast of the, you know, it, it, what I've come to see on my spiritual journey is that it's all light. It's yes. all the light. But why do we experience it as the light in the dark, right? Our, our creation story, if, if we subscribe to it in mm -hmm. the Old Testament, you know, in, in the Torah, is very much about separation, the separation of the heavens and the earth, the separation of the land from the water, the separation of the light and the dark. Why is that contrast? Why is that separation such a valuable part of our human experience? Because it gives us choice. It yes. gives us choice. And that has been the most important thing, one of the most important things that I've come to realize on my journey. How did I truly come to see, you know, abuse in my childhood, losing my mother um, at 20, and, you know, a relationship with my father ending at 19, an abusive first marriage, ending up homeless at a certain point. You know, these, these are, are, are dark sounding things, but how did I experience coming to see them as the gifts, the greatest gifts that were given to me as part of the storyline that I chose before coming here for yeah. my life? Because that contrast that that creates from what I intrinsically associate with the light gives me choice. I get to mm -hmm. choose what to do in the face of the dark. The light, it's easy to say, this feels great. I'll stay here. I'll swim through these waters for a while. But when we experience those things that inherently poke us and prod us, make us feel like victims, are the fabric from which we construct the victim stories that keep us in little cages in life. We get to experience choice. And the more I've chosen to see those quote unquote dark periods as the light, the more light 
has entered my world. And I believe, you know, I, I wouldn't say that t- coming into my spiritual gifts has been a reward for anything. I don't choose to see good and bad <laughs> and punishment and reward. I don't want to leave anybody with the misimpression that that's what I'm saying. But I do believe that a door has opened to stepping more fully into the truth of the, the divinity inside of me, the truth of the creator inside of me as I have chosen to see light in the darkness. Yeah. I know on my own journey, these dark moments, these challenging moments, I have an abusive ex-husband, which some of you may or may not recall. Um, And it was a very early relationship in my life. But having gone through that, besides the gifts of what I want to say, learning to love myself, learning to respect myself, learning to set boundaries, learning what's okay with me and what is not okay with me, learning how to not perpetuate cycles like that. Um, You know, those are a lot of the things I took out of it. But the other big gift that I brought away with it is a huge appreciation for my current husband and seeing just what a gift he really is and appreciating him in ways I might have otherwise taken for granted. Right. So you could have come out of that experience jaded, untrusting, right? And it gave And you I did actually for and, a while. <laughs> and I'm you not, did. And that's a part of the beautiful narrative, yeah, right? The exactly. fact that you just, but, but the contrast and the choice that that set you up with of where am I going to go from here, right? It's exactly. navigating through that pain, through that distrust, through whatever. And when I say victim, it doesn't, it's not to say that those painful things didn't happen and you're making it up, right? Those, yeah, no, no. It, the, the difference is whether I choose to wrap myself in what happened to me and say, oh, poor me, I will never be anything because of my history, or whether I choose to go, I have a history, it brought me many beautiful gifts, and I can leave the crap behind me and just carry forward with the gifts. Stunning. Yeah, I summarize it as, as the difference between what was done to me and what was done for me. Yes. And the next evolution of that in my world, because everything has come to revolve around oneness, um, is what I did for me, from mm-hmm. what was done for me to what I did for myself. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And I know a lot of people very easily look at that and go, well, well, you're victim blaming or shaming. It's like, no, 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 no. If, if that's where you're at, you're perfect right there until you're done being there. And when you choose to move into something else, we will celebrate that. There's nothing wrong with where you're at. You're where exactly what you want to be, need to be in that moment. And when you're done with it, you'll pick up and you'll move on. And it's, you're perfect exactly where you're at. And it, I and absolutely love that. Uh, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't change my compassion for that situation. I've been in those situations myself. I know how much they hurt in the moment. I know how helpless you feel in that moment. Mm-hmm. But that moment can also be allowed to pass when you're good and ready to allow it to pass. My experience of it has been, you know, there's a lot of a lot of language in, in spiritual dialogue of shedding and releasing, um, you know, and, and in my work as a psychotherapist, as a spiritual psychotherapist, I've started to move away from that language. I don't know that that's a fair goal 
um, yeah. to be perpetuating for people through our language, implying mm-hmm. that we somehow ever truly move beyond the pain of having been raped, of having been abused, of having right. been abandoned. That to me, you know, I, I don't I don't encourage people to set that as their goal. It's really shifting the relationship with mm-hmm. what happened and seeing yeah. it through a new lens. And the tears can still come and, you know, new life circumstances can still trigger that pain, the goal, you know, and, and a lot of people are left going, are you kidding me? This uh, yeah. How do you mean it's not ever this. going this? away? Yeah. Ten years later, I've done all the therapy, I've done all the ascending, and here I am knocked on my butt again by this pain. And it's, you know, I see that as a, a leveling up. I, I don't think that the, the that it's 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 a fair or realistic expectation that the pain is gone. But there can there can, we can move into relationship with it where it's a gift. Or eventually, maybe, you know, I work with a lot of people who are sexually abused as children who lived through truly, truly painful circumstances. I don't ever put a coat of varnish over the painful things that people live through. Yeah. Um, but but there, it is actually where I've come to in my life is actually seeing it as a gift, even when it hurts, when life now brings up those those historical pains anew. It's, it's like... It's an opening for me to go even deeper into my practice. And I ascend even higher by going down into that place where that, where that yeah. pain sits. Well, so, and emotions are messengers. There's a reason those emotions have popped back up to talk to you. And, and we do them a disservice when we go, oh, well, that shouldn't be there. Right. No, it, it's, it's brought you a message. It's opened a door for you to move into something, whether it's deeper into the pain or into a realization or what it is, that emotion has arrived for a reason. It has a message for you. How beautiful. So we can bring gratitude to the emotion, even when it's not one of the emotions we particularly like. Absolutely. (laughs) we We can look at that. We can look at that feeling and go, okay, you are here. I open the door. I set a place for you at the table. Thank you for coming. You can Whenever stay you're as ready to long go. as you want. Exactly. And be you're here free as to long go. As, <laughs> as it is our time to be together. Absolutely. And you can find peace. There could, peace can co- I've learned that gratitude and peace can coexist with grief. Gratitude and, gr- and peace can coexist with anger. With, with all the emotions that we, has, we typically associate with being difficult, there can be a commingling with gratitude and peace. I love that. And at this point, we need to go to our first break. But I would like to invite everyone out there who's listening with us, who's participating in this discussion with us. um, Take a few moments with your pen and paper while we're at break. And think about some of the emotions that have popped up that you've had a reflex to kind of push back down or move away from. And spend a few minutes with those emotions. Give them permission to be there and ask them what their message is and what are they bringing that we can be grateful for. And we'll be right back from the break. So hang with us.
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Hey, beautiful soul, Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to TellZofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A.com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's TellZofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I'm here talking with the amazing, loving, compassionate Ellen Feldman. And before break, um, we had invited you to spend some time with some of the difficult emotions, the ones you tend to want to push down or shove away. And over break, we kind of started talking about how in many ways, Dealing with difficult emotions is a lot like dealing with chronic pain, which is something I have a great deal of in my life. (laughs) Um, And I I went through a number of phases around that. I, I had the initial, oh, my God, I cannot have this in my life. It has got to go away because it is completely crippling me. I was in bed for a year as I was struggling through this phase and trying to figure out how do I move into the next phase. And what became clear to me was I needed to stop fighting it and saying that it ought not to be there because the facts are, it is what it is, the pain is there. And my options to get the pain to go away are all bad. Um, There is drugs, which there's addiction in my family and not an option. (laughs) There's, going in for additional surgery and the odds on that were terrible because it was caused by surgery. And so the odds of it getting worse actually, instead of better are actually better than the odds of it getting better taking that option. And so I explored a lot of possibilities and I fought quite a bit before I finally surrendered and said, okay, this is going to be with me for a while. And I found as I surrendered and said, okay, I have this companion. I didn't want it. I didn't invite it, but here it is. The pain actually fought me less and I was able to do more and access more. And as I got 
to know the pain, I started to see patterns in the pain. The pain had a message for me. The pain had a number of messages for me, like don't eat things that cause you gas. <laughs> and that gave me information that allowed me to shift things to the point where it's like, okay, I, I can work with this. I can actually live with this. I don't have to be stuck in bed. There are things I can do to keep the pain happy and me happy and productive at the same time. And there was never one solution. I, I know for myself, my hope was, well, I'll find one thing and it'll all magically be better. But the truth is what I found was a series of things that allowed me to keep the pain happy and in balance with me. Um, and then eventually I, I came to have moments of gratitude for the pain because it would tell me things very early on. Uh, so I could make adjustments in my diet or know that I was coming down with something. It would tell me much, much earlier than I'd have otherwise noticed. So there were reasons to be grateful for the pain in my life as well. <laughs> I love that you moved from loathing the pain to learning to accept the pain to actually finding the door to open to gratitude through the pain. Yeah. That's, that's a path that I, that I regularly walk with my clients through and that. It, it, it's not a quick journey. It was a long journey. I mean, to get from the fighting to the grateful is like a decade. Yeah. I, also <laughs> but love I got there. Yeah. I love that you use the word surrender because it's it's a word that comes up a lot for me. And the the intersection point between surrender and control is something that I think is relevant, not only to anybody who's going through pain, be it physical or emotional, but, you know, for us as a collective in the face of all of what looks like chaos. And I, I very, that's a different radio show, but I... <laughs> I, I very deliberately say looks like chaos to to the the uh, to the untrained eye. Um, you know that 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 the concept of of how do we surrender into this moment to work with it, mm -hmm. to to learn to welcoming it welcome it in as our friend instead of fighting it. When everything inside of us feels a loss of control, when you're going through physical pain, like you did for so many years, Sophia, it represents such a loss of control over your body, over your right to enjoy your body, right? Whatever it is we're going through in our lives, whether it's it's COVID-related, whether it's a cheating spouse, whether, you know, whether it's a death, a diagnosis, you know, an endless, endless list, you know, the big things of life, yes. the little things. Organic depression. That was another one that I had fun with for decades before I what, figured it out. Whatever it is yeah. that is showing up in your life that mm -hmm. represents whether you recognized it as representing this or not, it represents a loss of control. A yeah. loss of control over the story that you either consciously or more often subconsciously, unknowingly, yeah. had of how your life is supposed to go. Yeah. And for most people, and even psychotherapists, right, will often well, help people to reorient mm -hmm. to if you are feeling a loss of control, let's let's tighten control over where we have control. Let's yeah, figure I, out how we how we can feel a sense of control and let's tighten our grip there. And to me, that has become so clearly digging down to get out of the hole. Yeah. I if, 
I, I love that you used the word supposed to in that explanation. It was a little ways back, but if, if the listener rewinds, you can find that. I love the supposed to because that's one of my mental cues. If I'm in a spot, if I'm in a dark place, if I'm having a lot of suffering going on and I find myself in any way thinking or uttering the words supposed to or ought to, mm-hmm. it's like, whoop, time out. <laughs> this, this, it's like my trigger to go, okay, I am causing myself more suffering in this moment because I am batting my head against this wall of supposed to ought to idealism. It needs to be different. So it's my moment to stop and pull back and go, wait a second. Let's look at what really is and let's go from there. Right. So, you know, you're, you're hearkening Eckhart Tolle's discussion of acceptance and in the power of now, you know, it's, it's a very beautiful concept. Work with what is instead of, fighting what is where, where my inner guidance has taken me is, is to another level of that, which is, you know, when we step into oneness, then, then we know that God isn't some, you know, deity outside of ourselves that has designed as a plan and is a big man with the white beard. Who's yeah. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. We all know of the white beard in the cloud God, who's about fire and brimstone and vengeance. And, you know, God isn't some, you know, bearded human in a cloud. God is us. And when we step into knowing our oneness with God, even though God is also in a mirror of us, what would we want for ourselves? Nothing but the best. Yes. Right. If we're if we're if we're coming from love, which God is a purity of love, we want nothing but the best for ourselves. So when we're in oneness, we can sit in a knowledge that the divine plan for us, we might not consciously know it, mm-hmm. but, but right, we might through our gifts tap into pieces of it, but we still yeah. don't know it. And and that's by design, so we can have this human experience. But if the plan is of us, from us, and for us. Then, then we should know that the flow of what is trying to come to us is purely for good. It's purely for love. And so when we, when we need to control the way it goes from our human senses, we are actually closing the door to the flow. Yes, we're we're fighting, fighting the gift that wants to come into exactly. us. Exactly. And yeah. it's not gifts from some other deity. It's the gifts it's that from we us through our divine consciousness are trying to give ourselves. But the more we try and steer it, you know, it's not a punishment of, well, if you don't want what I have to give you, we'll take our, we'll yeah. take our gold and our Porsches <laughs> and we'll leave. You know, it's, it's not, a, it's not like an insulted fine and we won't give it to you then. It's yeah. just, it's an energetic reality of, of if we are blocking the flow by feeling a tightening of control, you can actually see it. Work with mm-hmm. surrender with, with Sophia or with me or with any of the other magnificent, you know, energy workers out there. And you'll feel the difference energetically immediately of when your heart is open in a state of yeah. surrender versus when you are tightened up in control. So what yeah. does surrender mean? I, if I can just share, Sophia, I think it's important for the, the beautiful listeners to hear. I, I think it is because before we, before we even go to the share of what surrender is, I want to kind of put in here a, an analogy of swimming. Because if you know how to swim, 
one of the first things you have to learn to do is to float and to become supported and relaxed with the water. If you're trying to control, if you tighten up, if you curl up into a little ball, you will sink. And what you most fear, that consequence comes in place. You end up under the water, you end up with water in your nose and your ears and whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. So having put that analogy out there, talk to us about surrender. (laughs) What a beautiful visual to send us off with a little deeper into surrender. The reason I I so badly want to share this with your listeners is I remember the moment, uh, it was last summer, summer of 2019. I was was, uh, in British, beautiful British Columbia on a trip. And I, I I was going from the mainland of Vancouver to Vancouver Island. And I was listening to a podcast with Gabby Bernstein. And I remember she started to talk about surrender and I bristled and I paused the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and at the time I'd already come into, you know, being able to speak to God. And I looked at God and said, well, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> I am much too strong and powerful for surrender to apply to me. And I just smiled back. Uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> and in whatever anthropomorphized way I experienced God, my mirror reflection just nodded and went, okay, <laughs> well, well, didn't this need to happen? <laughs> and so that was my starting point of looking at surrender. It was, it was pretty recent history in my life. It sounded like waving a white flag. It, it took me back to all the moments in my life where I stood up and said, oh, heck no, I'm not staying in this. I am out of here. I'm not going to be an unhappy doctor. I'm not going to be an unhappy lawyer. I'm not staying in this abusive marriage. I'm not staying in this terrible situation. No way am I going to be that which surrenders. That is submission. And when I learned the distinction between submission, rolling over and taking what circumstances have given you, versus surrender, which is a relinquishing of the idea that I am in control of the outcome. And that I know what the optimal outcome is. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you're, you're exactly. talking to a recovering control freak. So I totally <laughs> get you when it's like, oh, that is not me. Um, I had my own lesson in surrender and it came in the form of a two by four up the head where I ended up between a rock and hard place. And literally every place that I tried to force my way out of, the door was slammed in my face. Mm -hmm. And the moment I said, I have no answers here. It's yours, God. That's when the strangest exits started to appear and the door would just swing open and I would step through. Absolutely beautiful. And that's, that's been my experience as well, that when I let go and allow myself to flow with what is, let go of the idea that I am either being controlled, which I sometimes have felt, or have lost control, suddenly the most magical thing happens. In some ways, it feels like we have more control because by opening ourselves to the flow of of the divine, to the flow of what God has in store for us, we come to be higher up in in terms. How can let me let me rethink how to word that? It it becomes lighter. It becomes natural. It 
Well, yes, yeah. but, but where I'm going with this is we step more fully into the truth of us being God. We step more fully mm. into our oneness with God. Yes. And when we step more fully into our oneness with God, we step more fully into the creator inside of us. And so opportunities open to be, I use the word create. I don't like the word manifest. I think that the way it's been popularized, manifest kind of resonates it's, for me as how you trick the universe into giving you the mansion well, or the it's, Yeah, it's, it's, it's what I call mundane magic. It's ego-driven and you, you make the outcome that you're holding in your mind as the highest and best come into your world. And unfortunately... That's a very limited position to create from. It is because it's not us stepping into our divine truth, right? It, it, I'm not saying that, you know, the divine aspect of you doesn't want to give you a mansion and a Porsche. Why shouldn't right. you be well, worthy of the and mansion? And there's nothing Porsche? wrong with that experience. Nothing. Okay. There are people who want that experience. That's what they're living in this moment. It's fabulous. That's not what's on my path in this lifetime. There is nothing wrong with anywhere that anybody is. There is no such thing as being in the wrong place. You are the divine and wherever you're at is where you chose for yourself to be at in this moment. You are exactly what you created yourself to be. So there is no such thing as being in the wrong place. Are there opportunities for us to grow? If there are no opportunities for us to grow, then, then what are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you're the Pope, a Buddhist monk, you know, the Dalai Lama. If there is no space left to grow, then we have outgrown the human experience. And so I I certainly, (laughs) you know, perceive perceive immense, immense room to grow. Um, But becoming the creator in your life, for me at least, is synonymous with, with surrendering to the truth of of the divinity that is within me. And as I've stepped into surrender, I ha- and, and as an adjunct to that, as a consequence of that, stepped into my creative force, things have come into my life that I could only describe as miracles. Yeah, ex- absolutely. It's a beautiful place to be. And on this note, it's time for us to go to another break. Uh, what I'd like to invite you to do, if you're out there joining in with us and listening, Take your pen and paper. Spend a little time around the places where you feel like you've kind of been forcing or where you've been a little stymied. Take a look at those places and maybe invite yourself to ask the question, how can I give up the struggle around this? And hang with us. We'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827 and let me know, how has the show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. 
Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you and go out and live soul first. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are, at home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you for staying with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am returning with the amazing and wonderful Ellen Feldman. And we had a lovely conversation before the break talking about the differences between manifesting and and really moving into full creator mode, which feels oftentimes like a loss of control, but actually is in many ways a step into a deeper, more profound level of power. <laughs> um, I know you guide a lot of people along their spiritual journeys and you've got a depth of experience in walking the spiritual path. What do you feel like is the most important thing for people to sort of keep in mind as they're moving along their spiritual journey? I love that question. uh, And I think it's so important because we can sometimes put ourselves into a little box of, you know, as, as we step into our spiritual selves, as we step into a spiritual community um, of what spiritual means. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my practice, I have the gamuts because I still hold myself out as a registered psychotherapist instead, <laughs> as, as well as a spiritual guide. You know, I have people who come to me and we are working with past lives and, you know, talking to deceased loved ones and sources coming through me and sharing messages. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm reading my clients' thoughts. I wouldn't put it in that language, you know, but, but it's, it's, it looks like if somebody watched a movie of the session, it would look so quote unquote spiritual. But when somebody walks in my door, they don't believe in God. They're certainly not there to hear me talk about God. And we work together to navigate the pain of loss or to navigate the pain of depression. And we are moving. It doesn't even matter where we move. Us coming together as two people um, to navigate through pain together is a spiritual experience. If yes. we go a step deeper and we're working with a story and we're transforming it into a more empowering story, how could that not be spiritual? Right? And, and if we don't manage to transform it, how spiritual is that? Because that gives them more substance to work with at, at future future steps along their journey. So Absolutely. the most important thing I would say is let go of anything, you, any story you've ever told yourself about what being on a spiritual journey means. Every minute of <laughs> and, your life. And I love journey. that you said that because I've brought a number of quote unquote mundane people on here. <laughs> I, I, I've got a soap guy that came on Sovereign Self and a lot of people scratched their heads and went, what does soap have to do with your spiritual journey? Well, self can be a very spiritual journey when you look at 
how is your company impacting the community in which it lives? How is your product impacting the lives and the community and the health of the people that it's serving? How can you expand the role of service in this world through your business? How can we employ previously unemployable people? These are all wonderful spiritual journey kind of things that are happening out of this quote unquote mundane soap company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it does not have to look like, um, you know, St. Germain shows up and a big purple light flashes through the room for something to be a spiritual journey or a, an act of service. Amen. So for those who, you know, for whom this does resonate, the, the, the single concept, which didn't resonate much like surrender, <laughs> didn't resonate. <laughs> When I read it in Buddhist resources, you know, years ago, I just went, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, no, I'm not ready for the that. The concept of oneness was was so far from my consciousness, you know, until until the last few years. But in my internal guidance, everything, everything, everything is built on a platform of oneness and everything emanates out of it. Gratitude and love and trust and peace. It, it all, 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 all emanates from a platform of oneness that is. I am God and God is me. I am you, Zofia, and you are me. I am the planet. I am the trees. I am everything in between. And for me, you know, the most important idea is let go of what's spiritual. Trust exactly where you are. See the perfection of where you are and who you are in this moment. Where does that emanate from for me? Oneness. Yes. <laughs> like, can, can it be understood without a conception of oneness? Of course it can. But, but on a deeper level, anything that I could say on this show, I could come on the show every day for the rest of, of your career, Sophia. I'm not on offer. I'm sure. <laughs> but but it, we can it, we and, can discuss revisits, yes. <laughs> and we can talk about oneness and how everything in this created visible world is an emanation of oneness that I believe is there to bring us back to the truth that we already know. It's not about transforming us. It's not about shedding anything. It's not about healing. It's about remembering. I am on a path of remembering. And every day I go deeper into remembering. And I remember through transcendent experiences that would make your mind explode. And I remember in the moments where I lose my cool and I scream at somebody and go, whoa, that was not how I wanted to vibrate. And that experience that some might call dark or negative brings me closer to remembering my Which divinity and my oneness with all that reminds is. me of a story. And this happened while I was still very caught up in the mundane. Um, and it, your soul will bring you lessons that it wants you to learn repeatedly. Okay. And when I was a child, I remember reading this story uh, where a girl had gotten trapped on a roof and this guy was going to rape her. And, and she you know, showed a lot of concern for him and, and managed to connect with him on an emotional level and then uh, introduced him to the love of Jesus and converted him to, you know, born-again religion. And I, I read the story and went, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I was in grad school, uh, the in thing in the criminal, with the criminal element at that time was carjacking. And I knew a, a couple of people in grad school who'd been carjacked, who'd, 
who'd lost their cars. I know one guy who who joked his way out of having his car carjacked. <laughs> but I'm not one of these people that has like that front forward sense of humor. And I'm like, well, isn't he lucky he has that particular skill set? And I was leaving Walmart and I'd loaded everything into the car. I got into my car and at the same moment, a guy got in on the passenger side. And your first reaction, my instinctive reaction is, who the hell are you and get the fuck out of my vehicle, right? And I opened myself up to begin with that energy. And this calm came over me and I can only describe it as my personality was pushed to the side. And what came out was, are you okay? How can I help you? And my personality is over there going, what the hell just happened there, right? (laughs) (laughs) And he starts to tell me this, this story of being from out of town. And, you know, his girlfriend is in the hospital and having their first child and, and he needs to get to the hospital. Okay. And I said, okay, good. Which hospital is she in? I don't know the name. Well, can you give me directions? Yes. And so I'm driving and I'm asking him these, these getting to know you questions. Well, it's your first child. Did you, is this a planned child? Or do you know if you're expecting a boy or a girl? Have you chosen a name? Are your parents excited? You know, all of this, these questions you ask somebody who's having a baby as opposed to somebody who's carjacking you. <laughs> and as I'm asking these questions, it becomes very clear to my personality, who's still kind of pushed over to the side of my skull, <laughs> that he's making this shit up. And my personality very much wants to call him on his bullshit. And this other force that's come over me basically said, hush, keep relating. Don't worry, about. it doesn't matter if he's telling you truth or not, keep relating. And so for the rest of that ride, I made him the most important person in my world. And we arrived into a very bad part of town. I'm in grad school, so I don't live in a good part of town, but this is someplace I would not have gone. And it's this darkened gas station. And when we pull in there, it's this feeling of, oh, this is not going to be good. And the, the calm part of me says to the personality, you've got 60 bucks that you were planning to give to the church, cut out the middleman. And I looked at him and I said, I'm concerned about letting you out in this dark place so far from the hospital without any money. I have some money set aside that I was going to give to the church. We'll just cut out the middleman and we'll give your family a better start. Is there an ATM near here? He says, as a matter of fact, there is. And so he gave me directions down to the ATM. I took out the $60. I gave it to him. I said, do you want me to take you back to that parking lot? And he says, oh, no, 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 no. I don't know what was planned, but he absolutely did not want to go back to that parking lot. And he directed me down to a better part of town under a streetlight where I let him out. And I went home. And I thought nothing more of that incident incident until much later in my life. What I thought about that incident in the moment was that was strange. (laughs) And thank God I left with my car and my life. 
and no trauma. It, it was a completely untraumatizing experience. But it, for me, it served to show the power of love and concern. Because the intentions he had when he got in that car were very different than what he left with. Mm. He got into the car thinking he needed one thing, and instead he got what he really needed. He needed love. Yeah. And you guys were one. You were one in love. Right? That is, that is an, a, a human manifestation of truly stepping into oneness. Yeah, and I, I didn't do it voluntarily. I'm not, I don't put that out there to say that I'm any kind of amazing anything because my person, that was not what my personality wanted to do <laughs> in that moment, but my personality deferred to what I can only describe as my higher self. Your higher self, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I know you brought some wonderful tools with you today to share with the listeners. Um, and I, I think before we share the tool, I'd like to say that you are an, a member of the Ascension School of Spirituality, as am I. I am. And it's such a beautiful community. It is. It's a lovely community. And out on the speaker page at SovereignSelf.media, there will be wonderful links where you can go connect with the Ascension School and Ellen Feldman and the events that she has happening because they change all the time. <laughs> um, but if you enjoy this tool, I would encourage you to go out and get to know her a little bit more at SovereignSelf.media. So tell us about your tool, Ellen. So the tool that I wanted to briefly introduce to everyone today um, is a breathing technique. And for anybody who doesn't already have the basics of using deep breathing as a powerful tool um, to for all kinds of purposes, to, to bring us into the now, to awaken gratitude, to connect us into our, our higher selves. I encourage you uh, to reach out to me, to reach out to Sophia, to, to reach out in any way that you choose um, to experience deep breathing. But I wanted to build, I'm going to assume a certain level of knowledge of, of deep breathing techniques. And what I'd like to weave into it is a little pearl of guidance that I received inside of myself recently. I was encouraged to move away from thinking of gratitude as a thank you. A thank you is beautiful to say. A, a thank you is sort of a recognition of what was, you know, of what somebody outside of you did for you. And it's like a validation of that was a, that was a really great thing that you did. But as we step into oneness, Gratitude, which I'm always called to gratitude, whatever the season, whatever the reason, I'm always called to gratitude. And I was encouraged to see gratitude differently. I was encouraged to, by my, my inner divine guidance, to see gratitude as being a statement of everything is exactly as it's meant to be. What a stunning idea that being grateful means saying, it's, it's like an, the ultimate act of surrender. Mm. I am grateful everything is as it should be. So that what I encourage you really hard when you're in a dark place though. How, oh, how do you honey. get your arms around to gratitude? How do you work honey, your way around to it, that? 
It is magic. It is relief. This is, a, I have used this. I've just, this just came to me less than a week ago. And in the last week, I write all kinds of planets are in retrograde, all the things. So <laughs> all the things, exactly. I have had moments to get to use this. And the relief that I feel as I'm brought back to everything is as it's meant to be. It's like, you don't need to fix this. You don't need to figure this out. You didn't mess up. Don't tell yourself a story that you were flawed, that you were imperfect. Everything is as it's meant to be. So that I, I wish we had longer to work with this. Please feel free to reach out to me if you feel called to work with this. I run classes on this. The breath in is I am loved. The breath out is everything is as it's meant to be. I am loved. Breath out, everything is as it's meant to be. And we are like the child of the divine as we work with that. I am loved. I can sink back into the divine love coming to me. And everything is as it's meant to be. It is like the steady reassurance, the steady hug of God coming to you. But then once we've worked with that, there's an evolution to it. One stanza is, I am loved. Everything is as it's meant to be. The next stanza, it alternates with, I am love. All is as it's meant to be. I am loved. All is as it's meant to be. I am love. All is as it's meant to be. So it creates this undulation of oneness I am the love. I am the creator. I am the parent, the divine parent. And all is as it's meant to be. And I am equally the child, the recipient of that love. All is as it's meant to be. And so moving in flow, I see an eight as I move through this. I've been shown eights in my meditations. That's a whole separate show. You can have me yeah. back on to talk about sacred <laughs> numerology and geometry. But I see a flow of eight. Down into the bottom of the eight, I am the child. I am loved. All is as it's meant to be. And then I breathe in again. I am love. I am God. All is as it's meant to be. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And I, I think the one thing I would put out there, if you're feeling resistance or if stories are coming up, well, this means I deserve, you know, whatever suffering I'm in or whatever it is, what I would invite you to do is take this as an experiment. Let's set the, the stories to the side for a moment and just experiment with it because you can always pick the stories back up later if that's what you want to do. And thank you so much for joining us today, Ellen. And thank you to all of the listeners who have joined us today. We love that you're here. We love to hear from you. And so if you have comments on the show, if you have questions, please drop a quick line to askzofia at transformationspace.co. And until next week, go out and live soul first.
Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here.